Thank you for tuning in today on Voyage Through the Bible with Billy G. Nolan, where his heart is to fortify and strengthen your relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy this mini teaching, and if you need prayer, if you would like more information, or you simply want to join us as we voyage through the Bible, go to www.voyagethroughthebible.org. We're in Hebrews chapter 12, and it, to me, explains Jesus is greater than any one of our personal needs. The, our experiencing in Jesus is a very personal thing in each one of our lives. It begins to talk about an amphitheater. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight that hinders us and let's go on in perseverance the race that is set before us. So we think of a football stadium and you're thinking something like an ample theater. It was oval-shaped. It had... Uh, at least five, sometimes as high as ten different uh, sections. It was it was round and circular and, and a little bit like an egg shaped. And in it was the races that were performed. Many kinds of foot races, many kinds of other kinds of races were performed. These races were considered very important in the sports section of the ancient times. But we're talking about a heavenly stadium and the people that are watching are watching in the rims of heaven itself. I can't explain that to you any more than I possibly could except to tell you that I believe the victories we have are very aware in heavenly places. But then it goes on to say uh, a unique thing. It's saying, you racers, you that are in the race, when the race comes, throw off the weights. In those days, they began as a young person and begin to weight them down while they ran. The older they got and the more mature, they would put more weights on them. So they were traveling with many weights. The day of the race, another thing happened. They threw off all of the encumbrances, all of the weights, and at that point, they were free to run as fast as they could. So what is this talking about? This is talking about the weights that stops our race in the kingdom of God. The race that stops your race in the kingdom of God. What is this kind of thing that, that can cause this? This is sin. This is stumbling blocks. This is times wasted on frivolous things. This is the way it looks. It looks like we need to throw off those weights 
so that the weights can now not hinder us from the great race that God's called us to. Did you know each one of us are called in the race with God? We're called to be in the part of this race, and you are called to be there in it. Failure is a part of that. That's a weight that we have. Sin is a part of it. There are many things that can be a part of it. It says in Philippians 3, forgetting those things which hinder us and go on toward the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. Set aside the sin, the questions, the things that could cause us not to run the race in a proper way. Run with persistence. Runners run. They run and continue to run and run some more. Persistence is the route that we go on. Hebrews 12.2, it talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the finisher of our work. Fixing our eyes on the Lord, identifying many of the problems and situations that we have in our lives and going forward unencumbered. Jesus is greater than any of your problems. He is great. The encumbrance you have, you turn them to the Lord. Fasten your eyes on the Lord. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Jesus was 100% man and yet 100% God. He had that kind of nature. And as a man, he defeated Satan. Jesus is greater than anything in our lives. Let's take a, a mental image. Let's fix our minds. Let's fix our hearts on the Lord. Consider how he endured such great contradiction of sinners. Let's just continue to see Jesus in his finished work. Jesus is greater than any personal needs we have. Consider yourself, open yourself up to the Lord. Let the Lord begin to speak to you and the weights will begin to fall off. The race will become stronger and you will be in the race as a winner. It says in, in, in Hebrews verse 4, it says that we haven't even struggled to the point of blood yet. We haven't struggled to the point that we've been persecuted, that we have been looked down on, we've been shamed. We haven't come to that position. Perseverance in hardship is one of the signs that we have for the weights in our lives to be taken off. Now we begin to shift gears and we begin to talk about another subject, but it pertains to the subject that we've just talked about. And that is in verse 5, it begins to talk about the training of a child. And it's saying that fathers address their sons and daughters and teach them by training. My son, do not make light of the Lord's 
discipline. And do not lose heart when you're rebuked and when you are corrected. My training story is multiple times over. It's many, many times that I've had this training story. But the training story that I want to tell you about is in the middle of many failures, one day I was driving a car and my wife said to me, why do you act like you're living with a harlot, harlot, a whore? I turned over to the side of the road. I said, what did you say? And she said, your ministry, the one you're pursuing, you've treated her more important than God. That affected me in such a way that I can't tell you. Hardly anything has affected me like that. It was like a sledgehammer hitting me very hard. I immediately went into a place of repentance, and I repented over it for quite a while, days and days, even weeks. And when I come out of that, I had an understanding that ministry is the Lord's, and it wasn't exactly my possession. It was God's gift to me, God's gift to you, and it isn't to be treated with disrespect. Instead, throw off the weight. So, the sons do not despise, it says in the word, discipline. But instead, recognizing that discipline and the rebuke will cause you to become a delight to your Father in heaven. And in verse 6, because the Lord disciplines us, because he loves us, he chastens everyone that he accepts as a son. If you're going through periods in your life right now where you are feeling like you are being disciplined and corrected, tell you the truth, it's an uncomfortable feeling. It isn't comforting, but this develops a heart message in you, a message that's heart deep, heart wide, heart long. A heart message is a message given by God after he has trained and corrected and disciplined his child. When you endure hardship and discipline, you become a treasure of God. God looks at you as his precious child. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Some of the difficult moments are probably one of your treasured moments in your life. Learn it. Learn it. Learn it. In verse 8, if you are not disciplined, you're not authentic. If you're not disciplined, you're not a child. If you're not disciplined, you're illegal. So disciplining, even though it isn't pleasant, even though it seems at times maybe a little harsh, I want to tell you discipline makes you a person 
that delights God's heart. In John 10.10, the thief comes not only to steal and kill and destroy, but the Lord has come to give life. What I'm trying to tell you during this time, God puts boundaries around you. The boundaries he puts around you is to give you more ministry qualities and to give you a sense of right and wrong and to give you a sense of maturity. Boundaries are a part of discipline. Boundaries can lead, if you allow the Lord to work in them, maturity, and it gives a manifestation of holiness in your life, and it causes you to have a life of dependency on the Lord. I've told the story several times and probably will tell it many more. The good shepherd has a hundred sheep and 99 are safe, but one runs away. He finds it, and in those days, he broke one leg. He put the sheep, the young one, around his neck and carried him wherever he went. The leg healed. He put the sheep down, and that sheep would go wherever he went. If he walked someplace, the sheep would walk right next to him. The sheep had learned several things. He learned the comfort of the shepherd. And he also learned the scent of the shepherd. So he related comfort with the scent of the shepherd. And he was led by smell. You may not be led by smell, but you can be led and you can, in your times of discipline, being brought into a place where you're wanting always to be dependent and near Father God. They disciplined you for a little while, your parents, and they did it for your own good. But God does it so that he's, his life will be embedded in you. And you walk in holiness like you've never seen before. It's not pleasant, but later, later, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness in your soul. Train yourself to be godly. But godliness has virtue in all things, holding promises that both are in this present life and in the life to come. Jesus is greater than any one of your personal needs. So we go on to another subject. It's following one thought after the other. They're kind of colliding with each other, but yet they're different. Therefore, strengthen feeble arms and weak knees. You who are disciplined, yous who have tasted holiness and righteousness of God, are the bearers of helping those with feeble arms and weak knees. What do we have here? We have an opportunity to serve. Out of discipline, 
comes maturity. And out of maturity comes a sense of clinging to the Lord. And out of that comes service. So we begin to talk about service now. In verse 13, it begins to talk about making level paths for feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather be healed. Somebody has told me that Jesus is the healer, and this is true. But you are the channel for healing in Jesus' name. Tell you the reason why people do not see healing in their lives for other people is because you do not pray. I have built up in me a custom. It's a custom that some would not understand. Somebody comes to me and they say, I have a headache. Now, what am I going to do? Years ago, I would say, oh, I'll pray for you, and I'd walk away. And sometimes I'd forget to pray. But then I decided that every time I heard of a need, I would do two things. I'd ask permission to pray, and then afterwards, I'd pray for the need. There's been times the report has come back that they're made well. I was in the hospital not too long ago visiting a person who was sick, and the registered nurse came in, and I observed her, and I said, Lord, what am I feeling? And I felt that she was on a path of righteousness and I didn't know how to think about it, and I didn't know what to say. This is along the same line, meeting a need when you hear of a need. So she came back in the room, and I said, pardon my presumption, but I have observed that you are a person that loves to pray. And she said, oh, yes, I pray a lot. In the conversation, I found out that she didn't really know who to pray to, but she knew she had to pray. So right then and there, I introduced her to Jesus. I found a need. I met the need by praying, by seeking the Lord. You have that capacity too. Make the lame well, and you've done a great work. What can happen if you refuse God's call? Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. And without holiness, you can't even please God. Live at peace with all men, and without holiness, you can't even please God. And then in Hebrews 4, it talks about the rain. It says the rain that comes down in abundance on a farmer's field, eventually the farmer will have a crop, and the crop will be great, and he will be blessed. Then it says, but some fields are full of thorns and thistles. They're not worthy of trying to make a crop in them. They're danger of being cursed. In the end, what we're going to do is burn the field down, burn everything off of it. This is a story of redemption. 
a story of God's intervening and the fields it's talking about is our lives. Some of you are good fields and some of you are mixed fields and some of you are thorn and thistle fields. But the redemption is once the field is burnt down, then it can be cultivated, seeded, and a great crop can come out of it. You who are on a track of holiness, continue there. And you who are on a track of being weed infested, there's hope for you. And God can cause you to be redeemed out of that briar infested field that you're in. So in closing this, this has been a dynamic thought. God disciplines the ones he loves. And I want to say right now to each one that's reviewing what I'm saying, you're loved. Even if you haven't met the Lord yet, you're loved. So I'm going to ask you, in the name of the Lord, to pray with me. In Jesus' name, we pray, Lord, for those that don't know you, that they would now begin to look to you, begin to follow you, open up their hearts to find you. I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can pray it after me if you have not known the Lord. I know there's several of you there that haven't found the Lord yet. This is your moment. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Billy on this episode of Voyage Through the Bible. This journey and its many adventures lead you into the mysteries of creation and man, not only to know the Bible, but to experience it and live it. If you would like to sow into this ministry and be a part of somebody else's journey as they learn about God, please visit our website, www.voyagethroughthebible.org.